You're listening to audio from Memphis Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit memphiscc.info. Hey, before you're seated, take your Bible. While we're standing up, let's go to him and let's honor his word this morning before we open it. Father, thank you for today and thank you for this word that we hold in our hands. Thank you, Father, that we can look at this and that we can find instruction for our life, that we can find hope, that we can find endurance, Father, in the times of our life where it seems like things are upside down. And today, Father, we glorify you by praising you in the times that we see you at work and we join you. And you bring all things together and you use them to extend your plan And Father, you do us good as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you legs got tired, didn't they? My back about gave out standing up here. That was awesome, though. That was awesome. Well, good morning and welcome to week five of our series. While you've got your Bible in your hand, if you don't have a Bible, please, 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 it's not too late. Get a Bible from the seat bottom in front of you. Make it yours. Write in it. Put your name in it. Put it someplace where you'll remember it on Monday to pick it up and read it again. Genesis chapter 39 is where we're going to be. Now, while you're finding your place, boy, once we get out of Genesis, it's going to be so much harder to find our place. But while you're finding your place there in the chapters that we read just this past week, if you're following along, Before we dive in, I, I want to recognize um, that God answers our prayers. Sometimes he answers our prayers in ways that we're not thrilled about, right? But God has always got a perfect plan. And sometimes he answers our prayers just like we asked. And it's an amazing thing. Phyllis Mullins, will you stand up back there? They won't be able to see you anyway, even if you're standing up. But right there. So, month and a half ago, large mass in her abdomen, mass on her kidney, thinking the worst. All the doctors except one said it's the worst. Went in for surgery, came out, and it was benign, right? Everything's great. The cancer on her kidney. Uh, they were able to remove that and spare her kidney, and they'll just continue to follow her. But. But just so, so happy for you guys and such great servants of the Lord. And I'm just glad that he's renewed you for another term. All right. But that, that's awesome. Uh, Patty McDonough sitting right back there. Patty had a TIA this last weekend. And look at her. She's right here. Uh, went back to work this week even. But we're praying for you as... Uh, as you continue to take this next month, which is so critical, right? To keep those strokes away. And uh, we're praying that the medication and the God just continues to bless you and hold you. And Mariah, Mariah, just if you wouldn't mind to stand up. <laughs> but Mariah had a really difficult time doing that just uh, four weeks ago. Uh, her leg shut down. She went numb on uh, the right side of her body. And again, thinking the worse, uh, that it was a disease that would just continue to eat away at her. They found some answers this last week and very encouraged by that. And as you can see, she's on her feet. I don't know if they're tingling or not, but 
but it's so important. And if you have things going on in your life, I want you to use that welcome home card to let us know the discoveries that you're making, the ways that we can pray for you. And then please let us know how things go so that we can continue to pray, so that we can worship God and praise God for what he's doing in your life. This Tuesday, Nancy Stone is going to have heart ablation. Uh, she's been in the hospital a few days. We kind of kept it on the down low. Uh, she's fine. Uh, she's got some medication in her that keeps her heart rate up. But this ablation should take care of an issue that uh, they discovered back when she had her accident last year. And so we'll be praying Tuesday that all of that goes well and that Bill has somebody to cook for him again in a couple of days. So I know he'll be excited about that. Well, Genesis chapter 39. Last week we were introduced to who? Joseph. Joseph is the great, great, uh, is the great grandson of who? Abraham, right? Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. And what did we discover about Joseph last week? He was one of 12 boys, right? He lived in a household with his three uh, stepmoms and his current mom, right? He was the favored son. He had the nice coat that his dad gave him. And Joseph made some decisions that didn't help things, right? He, he wore the coat. And he had these dreams, these dreams of his mom and dad, his 11 brothers, bowing down to him. Well, at the end of chapter 37, at the age of 17, Joseph finds himself in the bottom of a pit. He finds himself in a cistern, if you will, an empty well, sold out by his brothers, his dad believing that he is dead. Now, maybe your brothers haven't thrown you in a pit. Maybe they have. If I could have found one, I would have. Maybe no one has left you for dead like that. But, but everyone in this room knows what it is to be sold out, don't we? We've all had the relationship go south. We've, we've all had that person at work that, that took the credit when you were deserving of the credit. We've all experienced what it is to be sold out. Being sold out can leave us... It can leave us feeling alone. I just think about Joseph in the bottom of that cistern, no rope to grab hold of. Slippery walls, unable to get a step just to even help himself out. No one to come along and pull him out. Oh yeah, people would come along. They might look down in that well at you, that cistern at you, and, and you look up at them, but then they just keep Walking. No, no, no one knows what to do. No one wants to help. Some people think you deserve to be there. Is there a way out? Well, in Genesis chapter 39, verse 1, we find Joseph out of that cistern. Now he's in Egypt. He's serving in the house of Potiphar, the captain of the guard, the first in command under Pharaoh, who bought Joseph as a slave. Now, there are several observations that could be made at this point in Joseph's journey. He's 17 years old. He, he's been stripped of everything. He's been stripped of his pride. He's been stripped of being the favored son. He's been sold out by his brothers who would have just as soon killed him. Now he's in a foreign land that is unfamiliar. He knows no one or nothing about that culture. And on top of that, he is a slave. Yet Joseph makes a decision. He makes a decision. 
Everyone else has sold him out, but Joseph chooses to not sell himself out. This is the first remarkable thing that we see about Joseph. This is a defining turn in his life. Remember prideful Joseph that we talked about? Favored Joseph that didn't, didn't hesitate to live in that favor? But now Joseph chooses not to sell himself out. You know, it's not difficult to see when one of us has sold ourselves out, especially to bitterness and Resentment. Isn't that what happens first when we feel sold out, we feel bitter? The one characteristic of a bitter person is that they become overly critical of others. We start finding the faults in other people, and we want to make sure that everyone else knows about it, right? You've been around those people. You start talking good about Mariah, and they say, oh, no, 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 no. No, you, you don't know the Mariah that I know. Sorry, Mariah, you're just sitting right there looking at me. <laughs> A second characteristic is that they secretly celebrate the misfortune of others, right? Right? When we're in a pit and someone else falls in a pit, we're like, all right. Right? What goes around comes around. You know, people sold you out. Sometimes it comes around to them. They get sold out. See? See? You weren't so quickly to, to laugh at me now. A third characteristic is that is that we tend to write off whole groups of people. Once we've been sold out, we start looking at the people around us that didn't speak up, that didn't say anything on our behalf. And we begin to have this bitterness, even this hatred towards other people. And this only leaves us feeling more isolated and alone. You know, one of the things that I shared with you last week that was missing from Joseph's story was that Joseph, Joseph didn't say anything from the moment he was put in that pit, or at least it isn't recorded for us. We don't hear Joseph saying in the pit, boy, I, I can't wait till dad finds out what these brothers of mine have done, right? Just, just praying for the day that they would get their punishment he, he wasn't bitter. He wasn't defaming. He wasn't pointing fingers at, at everyone else. He, even when he's taken into Potiphar's house, he isn't saying, man, you are treating me so much better than they treated me over there. Right? Verse 3 says, when his master Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar even put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. What made it so evident to Potiphar that Joseph was so blessed? What stood out about him? Well, first of all, he wasn't bitter. First of all, he wasn't complaining. First of all, even where he was placed as a servant, he served well. He didn't go off and pout. He didn't say, well, we'll curse you. If I'm going to be here, I'm not going to do a thing to help you. Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God 
and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Now, defile is not a word that we use very often. In fact, I, I don't know that I've ever used it except in the context of Scripture. But to defile something, it sounds so harsh. It sounds so dirty. And that's because it is. To defile is to corrupt, to corrupt the purity of something, the goodness of something. It's used in conjunction to, to a man who takes a woman's virginity. Joseph didn't defile. Instead, he brought blessing. Don't let your bitterness distract or minimize, corrupt what God's grace looks like. Potiphar put Joseph in charge of his entire household and things went well. Verse 5 says, The blessing of the Lord was on everything that Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. Why? Because Joseph brought blessing. Well, in verse 7, we read that things take a turn. Scripture makes it clear something about Joseph. He is a stud muffin. He is like Jake Ewell on his best day, right? He's young. He's ripped. You, you say, you're making that up. No, I'm not. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. He's a stud, right? How many of you guys, you, you go to get a stud finder, you move it along the wall, and, and it always goes off, right? It's because it's already found one, the person holding the stud finder, right? Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while... His master's wife, Potiphar's wife, she looks at this boy every day. She peeks around the corner, right, and watches his arms flex. And she wants him in a rated R kind of way. Now, it's only rated R because she's married. He's not married. And she wants him. She says to him in Verse 7, come to bed with me. Doesn't get any clearer than that. Now, I want you to press pause for a minute. And I want you to think with me about the disappointment that Joseph has experienced in his young life. I want you to also think about the reality that if Joseph were to go ahead and give in to this pleasure, which make no bones about it, there is momentary pleasure in this sin. What keeps him from it? He's experienced so much disappointment. He had dreams, right, that have been squashed. There ain't nobody bowing down to him. His brothers, his brothers have sold him out. Even the gypsies, the, the Ishmaelites who bought him, sold him out again to Pharaoh. Potiphar, what happens in your life, my life, when disappointments come? What happens when things don't go the way that we wanted them to? What happens, guys, when you don't feel as loved by your wife? Does it lead to an excuse? What happens when you finally join the church and then all of a sudden you don't feel like you're the star anymore? 
You're not the first person that other people run up and say hello to. Then what do you do? Go find another place? What happens when the preacher says something that you don't like? Even though it's true, I know what happens. Have you ever let disappointment justify disobedience? You see, there's a thread that runs throughout Joseph's story. All of these ups and downs that we're about to read, all of these highs and lows, and that is that Joseph never let disappointment justify bad behavior, disobedience. No matter how bad it got, he leaned in. And I want you to jot down another thought that's not in your outline. And that is that we need to understand God is interested. He's interested in what we do when no one's looking. He is very interested. Now, not in the way that your mom told you, right? God's watching. What's he going to think? God's interested in what we do when no one's looking so that he can use us when everyone's looking. You see, if you're living your life in the secret of your phone or your computer or the way that you think about other people, God knows and God's looking and you are making yourself unavailable for him to use you. Oh, some of us try to fake it, and that's why we're labeled as hypocrites so often. You know, if being sold out by his brothers, becoming a slave in a foreign land wasn't enough, what happens next is off the charts. Joseph is faithful. Verse 9, he responds to Mrs. Potiphar's offer, how can I do such a thing and sin against God? Does, does anybody think that? <laughs> can, can, can you fill in the word for thing with something from your life that you have paused long enough to say, how can I do this and sin against God? Do we? Do we pause that long? Joseph did, and Joseph did it not just once, but repeatedly. You know, it's one thing to have a hot woman come on to you and make that overt offer like that, especially when so many bad things have happened, especially when you're a teenager. Sexual sin is right there at the top for our teens. Always has been. It's even more prominent today. But have you ever ever thought for just a moment, how could I do such a thing? Now, praise God, when I was that age, I was scared to death of my mom and dad. Not, not because they beat me, even though they, they could have, but they never, never laid a hand on me except one time. But I was scared to death that I would disappoint them. You know, I would like to say I was a big enough Christian. I was solid enough in my faith to not just be afraid of what they would say or not say or realize about me. But I wish that I had the courage as I do today to say, how can I do such a wicked thing and sin against him, the one who loved me so and loves me so today? Joseph makes the right choice. He doesn't go to bed with Mrs. Potiphar, but she comes after him day after day, 
time after time, come on, come on, Joseph. You're such a man. You're such a man. Come here, Jake. No, come. I'm sorry. Keep confusing Joseph with Jake. Verse 11. One day when Joseph went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants were inside. I, I want to pause right there. Guys, guys, if you take away anything today, here's, here's a lesson for all of us. This is why I say, do not get in the car with someone of the opposite sex to whom you're not married. Even if there's 10 years difference, maybe at 40 years, it's okay. But don't do it. Don't take someone to lunch and start listening to how tough things are for them at home. It will get you someplace that you never dreamed that you would go. Don't go there. Plus, you can be accused of things that these days is just as bad. That's why we don't allow teen leaders to go off with the teen and, and say, hey, just why don't you come over to my house and hang out tonight? No. There's always got to be a witness there. And look at, look at Joseph. He goes in the house and you say, he's just doing his job. But the household servants, they were all gone that day. You think she might have planned this? Verse 11, <clears throat> she caught him by the robe Men can only dream of this kind of action. She caught him by his robe and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Good for Joseph, you say, and good for him. But verse 14 says that she accused him of it anyway. And in verse 20, Joseph was thrown in prison where he spends the next years wrongly accused. And this isn't federal prison where you get a TV. It's a dungeon. It's a pit. And he has done nothing to deserve this. Time after time, we see Joseph faithful. And now that he's in prison, what did he do? What did he do in prison? He served. He became the star prisoner. Not because he was kissing somebody's butt but because he was a man of God. He believed that no matter where he was at, he should do his best. And in verse 22, the prison warden sees in Joseph what Potiphar saw in Joseph, and he puts Joseph in charge of all those being held in the prison. He made him responsible for everything there, everything, including two guys that were there in prison, a cupbearer and a chef. They've been put in prison, and they have these crazy dreams, these prophetic dreams, and they tell Joseph about it when they're sitting around the prison yard. And Joseph said, hey, I've, I've had dreams like that. Let me tell you what I think that means. And God gave him the ability to interpret their dreams. So he explains their dreams. They forget all about him. One of them is uh, killed. The other one goes back to serve the Pharaoh. And in chapter 41, who has a dream, right? Pharaoh has a dream. And it's one of those dreams that shook him to the core because it was prophetic too. But he had no idea what it meant. And friends, this is just a side note. When you are outside of God 
And there are things going on that are trying to point you to him, and sometimes you just don't understand it. There's a reason for that. It's because you're looking for the explanation in all the wrong places. And here, the Pharaoh says, I'm, I'm having trouble. Can't anyone interpret this? He, he wouldn't let it uh, lie. And that's when the guy that was right there in prison with Joseph says, oh, yeah, I remember a dude several years ago, a prisoner, and he interpreted my dream. Well, go get him. So they get Joseph out of prison. They come, and Joseph interprets this dream. And right, you read all about it. There's a famine coming. There's a famine coming, and, and he tells Pharaoh, he doesn't say, you're welcome. You know, maybe I could exchange this favor that I've done for you for a few extra years off of my prison sentence. No, he gives God the glory for it. He says, God has allowed me to interpret your dream. And by verse 38, we find that he is now promoted to deputy Pharaoh, the vice president of Egypt, the second most powerful man in the world. Why? Because he knew the one, he knew the God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Joseph, who had the solution. There are so many lessons, and we could spend a month of weekends on each one, but we've got 65 more books to go through the Bible. And so I want to give you three quick lessons, three quick takeaways from chapters 39 to 50, which is the best part of the story. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11 issues these lessons as a command to you and me. He says, but you, follower of God, man of God, woman of God, flee from all of this. Flee from what? Flee from bitterness. Flee from anger. Flee from sexual immorality. Flee from all of this, and you pursue righteousness, godliness, Faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Now, as you have read those chapters, do you not see those qualities in Joseph despite all of the circumstances? It's all there. And so the first lesson is, regardless of what culture dictates... Regardless of what culture dictates, and boy, culture's dictating a whole lot today. Make no bones about it. You're not supposed to just accept it, but you're supposed to celebrate it and be part of it. But regardless of what the culture says, God has a standard that the Christian is to live by. It's called righteousness. It's called righteousness. Romans 132, after listing the grievous sins of the flesh, says, though they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death. What does sin bring? Death. Sin always brings death. Though they know this, those that continue to do such things deserve death. They not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Does that not sound like the world of Christians around us today? 
I know some of you that are my age follow Bob Russell, a tremendous man of God, faithful all of these years. He's in his late 70s today, and he is more brave than he's ever been at putting the truth out there. In his blog last week, among the many things that he listed there, you should go and read, he said, genuine Christ followers, notice the word genuine, real Christ followers cannot endorse behavior that God forbids. Whole denominations today are approving of the very thing that God forbids. And the people in those places are swallowing it and taking it as the way it should be. And they're labeling it as acceptance and love, rainbows, colors. And it's completely against the will of God. Genuine Christ followers cannot and I will not endorse behavior that God forbids. While Christians respect the rights of others, I never get up in a person's face. I don't stand outside of abortion clinics and yell at these poor women who have been so blinded by the circumstances of their life and point at them and say, you're going to hell. That's not it. You'll never get anywhere with that. Christians, Bob says, respect the rights of others to live as they choose. But my friends, we do not celebrate immoral behavior. Why don't we? Why don't we? Because it's killing us. It's killing us. It separates us from God, first of all. And if that's not enough, people who are giving in to these lifestyles that are so celebrated today that people are jamming down our throats, even young people. Why well, can't come to church here? Because you might say something about homosexuality. Listen, if you're a homosexual, I love you and you are welcome here, but you must expect to be changed just like every heterosexual who comes in here having an affair with someone else. Just like these boys and girls that are living together shacking up just like Joseph and Mrs. Potiphar. You're going to be changed. That's what the Word of God does. Amen. But somebody's got to speak the truth. And that's what Christians, real Christians, that's what we do. We stand by the Word. Joseph lost his coat, my friends, but he didn't lose his character. Don't you don't you? Faithfulness to God brings the answers we seek. Disobedience only prolongs the answer. <laughs> I heard so often growing up from older people in the faith, we'll never know, David, this side of heaven, why God allowed that to happen. No, it's not true. It's not true. I've had a lot of things happen in my life. Probably a lot more things will happen before God takes me home. And I understand every one of them. I may not like it that it happened. I may not want to go back and repeat it over and over again. But I can see why. 
And how can I see that? Because I'm obedient to his word. Because I keep going and I persevere. I don't shrink back. Oh, there are times, believe me, when I have my days. And embarrassingly so, especially early in my ministry here, somebody would get their little panties in a twist out there. And I would just kind of crawl back in my hole. I won't talk about that for a few weeks. And the church would just pretty much stop in the tracks for those few weeks. And then finally I'd get brave enough to be obedient again to God's word. And the church would take off again. No wonder it's that dormant for all of those years. Faithfulness brings the answers we seek. Disobedience only prolongs the answer. Yeah, there are some things you're not going to know until you stand before Jesus Christ because you continue to be disobedient. And on that day, he says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. What do you think you're going to be confessing? Your Lord, and I'm not. I am so sorry. Romans 5.3 says, rejoice in suffering because it produces perseverance, and perseverance creates character, and character, hope. Joseph remained faithful. He served well despite his suffering. And you know what? God transformed his character, and it wasn't long. And don't you think Joseph noticed God how can I be this successful in prison? <laughs> How could I earn such a spot? Deputy Pharaoh, God. Third thing that we see is that the answer to the why is always found through faithful obedience, and that is God's plan will be accomplished with or without me. I want it to be with me. I want it to be with me. In chapter 45, verse 4, it's, I call it the great reveal. And if you read along with this, you know that that famine was on its way. Joseph's family, remember the 11 brothers that sold him out? Remember dad that thinks he's dead? They make this long trip, a couple of the boys do. They come into town, and they come to Joseph because Joseph is the second in charge of all of Egypt. He probably looks like an Egyptian. And they come to him because he does what? He controls all of the food. He's been building up a supply of food because that's what the dream that Pharaoh had told him to do. And these boys come in, and they come to him, and they do not recognize him. He go back and forth. He sends them back. They come back to him. And right here in chapter, verse 4 of chapter 45, then Joseph looked them in the face and he said, come here, guys. Come close to me. I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Now, about this time, they have pooped their pants. <laughs> about this time, they are standing in a puddle. But listen to Joseph, listen to the love, listen to the gentleness, listen to the godliness. Do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Here's the why. Here's the answer that the ancients used to tell us you can't get till you get to heaven. And here's Joseph. 
Here's Joseph. He's, he's in his 30s right here. And he already knows the answer to, to the why of all of this has happened to him because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Yes, you guys all played a part of it. You didn't even know it. Even in your sinful choices. But you know what? It's okay. It's okay because God, God took all of that and he did this so that this could happen. Here's your food. Here's your food. God's plan will be accomplished with or without me. Friends, I want it to be with me. Now, a couple of things we need to clarify before we wrap this up. And that is, God didn't choose, he didn't cause the brothers to sell Joseph into slavery. God's not up there pushing buttons, right? Like the wizard in Wizard of Oz back there behind the curtain, right? He's not doing that. Why? Because he's given us freedom to choose. And if we were puppets on a string, he would be denying that. He didn't cause his brothers to sell Joseph into slavery, lie to their father. God didn't cause Potiphar's wife to lust after Joseph. Man, some of you guys actually believe while you're still married that God has sent you your spiritual mate. Open your eyes, guys. That's just flat-out lust. That's sin staring you in the face. God did not cause Potiphar's wife to lust after Joseph and then lie about an attack. But here's what God does do, is he takes it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly, as we said last week. He takes it all, and he uses it for Joseph's good, he uses it for the good of the nation that he's building. God's plan will always move forward. With or without me, I just wanted to be with me. What a joy to see him work. The good of you and me. You know, God has a plan, and, and I'm not sure I always like it, but I sure don't want to miss out on it. Amen. At any given day, we find ourselves at numerous intersections, right? Crossroads, forks in the road where we choose. We choose how we're going to respond, whether we're going to take another drink, whether we're going to shrink back, whether we're going to move forward, whether we're going to stand by our faith. What crossroads are you at right now? Do you recognize God's presence in your situation? How many times did we read this week, and the Lord was with Joseph, and the Lord was with Joseph, even in prison, in Potiphar's home when she came on to him, even in the pit, the Lord was with him. My friends, he is with you at this crossroads. Have you let him in? Have you let him in? Are you willing to be obedient to the direction that he's telling you to take right now, to say no to certain things? Maybe do you need to just pack up and get out of there. Don't keep going to the same site over and over again. It's like the guy wanting a donut and he's on a diet and he drives around the block 15 times till he finds an open spot to park. And he says, thank you, Lord, for making the way for me to have a donut, right? <laughs> you must want me to have a donut. What circumstances have got you wondering just how things are going to come together in your life? Some of you in this room, you have sold yourself out and now you want to come home. Come.
Let's stand together and let's pray. Father, just as you had a plan for Joseph's life, you have a plan for us. Just as you took the broken pieces of Joseph's life and put them together for an amazing finish, God, I see you doing the same thing in so many today, and you've given us all that opportunity through Jesus Christ. There's no pit deeper than the pit of death that Jesus went to for our sins. But you, God, you raised him up from that pit. And today he sits at your right hand with his arms extended to give us the hand up that we need out of our pit, to throw us the rope for us to grab hold of, to make a step that we can find firm footing on. And so God, today, we grab hold of that rope. We want to take your hand and we want to take our next step firm in your word. In Jesus' name. If you're having difficulty today seeing why God's allowed something in your life, come and let's, let's pray. Let's talk together. I can probably share some insight into some things that maybe you're not seeing right now. If you come today and you want to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord of your life, the first step to getting out of the pit, come and receive him. If you'd like to come and be part of this church family, you've been riding along for a while, you're an immersed believer, we'd love to have you. Come and let us talk about your next step.